Music to Code By is taking the developer world by storm. Now there are six extra tracks available online in addition to the original three. That's nine Pomodoros of pure productivity just waiting for you. Check them out at mtcb.pwop.com. Net Rocks, episode 1234, with guest Julia White. Recorded Wednesday, December 2nd, 2015. Hey, guess what? This is .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. And I'm Richard Campbell. And we're here at the Azure World Tour in Tel Aviv, Israel. And uh, Julia White is here with us. We'll be talking to her in just a second. But first, uh, Richard, did you know that my company, AppV Next, has taken over the Poly Project? No, I didn't know that. You talked about that on the show. Yeah, the Poly Project is uh, a great sort of a retry framework. Okay. So it, it's great for doing any kind of service calls because if you wrap a service call in code that checks for a connection and does retrying and all that stuff, your connection goes down. Well, you just give it a policy and you say, I want you to make this call and if it, you know, fails, try it again and keep trying until it doesn't fail. And it's all asynchronous and it's wonderful. But you also got to set a a time limit. At some point, it's like, stop retrying. You can't retry forever. Yeah, sure, but you get to say what that policy right. is. And there's a whole bunch of options. I like that. Yeah, so the, the boys at AppV Next took it over, and I'm really proud of them. That's they, really cool. Yeah. It, I mean, it can be a lot of work to keep an open source library functional and right. you know, where it needs to be, especially when it, you have a big OS rev or anything mm-hmm. like that. That can be very disruptive. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's quite a commitment. They're, they're uh, getting their hands dirty right now. So, uh, But that's not what I have for Better Know Framework. Oh, okay. Yeah, so run the music. <laughs> All right, dude, what do you got? What I got... Mohippa. <laughs> actually, it has a lot to do with you. Does it? This is your other podcast, Run As Radio. Oh. And it has a new website. It does. Runasradio.com. Yes. Why don't you tell us about it? The new website... Well, Run As Radio is obviously our... I, the IT podcast started back in 2007, so almost nine years now we've been doing yeah. that show. Yeah. 450 episodes in the reservoir come out every Wednesday. We have not missed a Wednesday in almost nine years. That's crazy. Uh, the new website, we call it Metro Retro. So we're using the Metro <laughs> colors, but yeah. we've gone all 8-bit on things. I'm going to show this to Julia because she'll think this is hilarious. Nice. So you like the coloring, right? And, I do. And, and some good typography, but then all the background, the, the bio photos and stuff have all gone 8-bit, and all the alt keys work. I was like going to say. The letters are underscored, yeah. The alt keys are yeah, awesome. Alt-S to go to, to shows. Nice. So, you know... It's for IT folks. We like those kinds of gags. So yeah. that's, that's what we've done with the site. I'm really pleased with the way it came out. Uh, I worked with a team at a company called Smash Lab yeah. in Vancouver to come up with this design. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one of the app Next guys, Joe Hewlin, yeah. made it come to life. Yeah. It's just been in the past few days. Everything's functioning. It's super happy with the results. So, and it's a great podcast as well. If Thank you, you. Yeah, and, and, you know, Richard's great. He could talk about anything and you'd love it. So, uh, great IT podcast, Windows-focused, runasradio.com. Fantastic. Well, what a great, 
Yeah. Better know a framework you that's, have there, That's sir. better know a framework. I so love it. Who's talking to us today? I Richard? grabbed a comment off a of show 1221, talking about other good show numbers, a show we did with Corey Sanders while we were in Stockholm on yeah. the Azure tour, yeah. and we talked about building microservices with the Azure service fabric, and I should admit... We drank quite a bit of wine. Actually, we didn't. We had two or three glasses. Yes. Okay, two or it three glasses. It was, however, quite a silly show. Yes. And, well, uh, I think part of that has to do with the guest. He's, uh, he, Corey Scott, he, he, had, he had a silly streak going there. He's very, very excited. So we had a lot of fun with him. And so this comment comes from Keith Williams, who says, one of our clients just presented a proposal for a, quote, SOA integration project. Before I knew what I was doing, I was halfway through shouting, booyah, which we said a lot on that show. <laughs> yeah, we did. And had to make the world's most embarrassing cough. Yeah. A great episode, by the way. I was really looking forward to working more with microservices. I also feel your old pain. Mm. I started my current gig on the ruins of a failed SOA experiment, which consisted of several WCF services that all talked to the same database on the back end and ended up using the database to share state. Anyway, that's a sin, man. Uh, Don't do it. It's bad. And in the, any case, we're all deployed to the same server because the servers took weeks to get set up, but our VM host was full in any case. So they just undermined everything there, right? It's yeah. like, why am I service-oriented if I'm all in the same box? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, Having said that, there is an interesting problem with using microservice architectures. If your application is singular and you only have the live and test deployment, then everything's great. However, some applications are written to be deployed many times for different customers or resold and deployed on customers' hardware. Sure. In this case, splitting the app down into services removes the ease of X-copy and web deployment that used to exist with classic monolith-style applications. In the old days, VMs and manual IIS configurations, this was a non-starter. In these days of Azure and PowerShell, I'm thinking that it ought to be a lot easier to script the creation of an entire application environment, no matter how complex. Mm -hmm. Sort of like Install Shield for Azure. Yeah. Which is true. I mean, we're definitely headed towards that point. When you talk about box starter, nougat, chocolatey, right. like these are shows we've done. Yeah. But you know where this is really Mark Rendell shine? comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. He's we done done a talked about that stuff, whole yeah. thing with Mark Rendell. Yeah. I just think this begs for Docker, too. Yeah. That this, is, this new container deployment model is going to make it a lot easier to do what Keith is describing, which is really white-label deployment. I've yeah. got several different instances of the apps. They've all got different product names on them or different company names on them. Plus, and they you deploy know, easily. Corey talked about the new management software in Azure right. for managing microservices, and that sounds like a must. Pretty much a ringer for it. Yeah. So, uh, Keith, we're with you. I think all this stuff's getting easier. Glad you're enjoying the, uh, the topic so far. We're really excited about it, microservices. That's why yep. we've been talking about them steadily. Sure are. Looking forward to them coming really to fruition. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on any of the uh, social media. We post every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there, we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. Absolutely. And we also tweet. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. And uh, send us the tweet. We love it. And that brings us to Julia. Julia White leads product management of Microsoft's cloud platform, including Azure, Enterprise Security, and Mobility, Windows Server, and System Center. In this function, Julia is responsible for the value proposition of the cloud platform, global go-to-market strategy, customer engagement, and evangelism. Julia joined Microsoft in 2001 as a product manager. In her tenure at Microsoft, she's held roles in enterprise server product management, U.S. channel sales, exchange product marketing, and most recently, led Office 365 product management. Wow. 
That's a lot of stuff. You've been I've been around. I've been busy. <laughs> yeah. I have been around. I know. Longer than you might think. Oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah, and it involved in a lot of cool product, too. Like Absolutely. Office 365 has come a long way. Yeah, sure it has. has. And yeah. I was there from the beginning. I yeah. actually remember the day we put the first mailbox in the cloud. B-Paws? Uh, before B-Paws, even. Pre-B-Paws. Pre-B-Paws. Because B-Paws was not easy, either. No, it was not. No, <laughs> the, it was not. The best description I've ever heard of B-Paws is, we got a great set of learnings from it. We did. We learned a lot from yeah. B-Paws. <laughs> Running in the cloud, I mean, and, and, you know, put on my run-ass hat, the conversation I have these days with IT guys about Microsoft technology has a lot to do with what the cloud has done to that product, whether we talk about Exchange yep. or we talk about SharePoint. Absolutely. They've all been heavily influenced by their life in the cloud. And oh, you yeah. know, what's really interesting to me is that the branding doesn't change, you know, Office 365, Office, but what that means changes a lot. Dramatically. Dramatically. And so if you think you know what Office 365 is all about, think again, because it just changed. Absolutely. <laughs> For the better. Yeah. Yeah. We added a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, but I think I spend a lot of my customer conversations just explaining what it is these days. Right. Yeah. Because uh, people have a perception of like, oh, it's just email or it's just SharePoint, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you're like, oh, sit down, buckle yeah. up. we got to talk. On. Yeah. We did a show, it's only a few weeks ago now, with Jason Zander. Yeah. Uh -huh. And he talked about, you know, we shipped 500 features last year. Right. Yeah. Let me run this down for you. And it's yeah. like, right. that's a big number. That's yeah. a lot of stuff. More than an updated day. Yeah, more than a, a net yes. an updated day. I don't know what right. the real release cadence was. Hopefully it wasn't hourly but you know it, it, it's pretty frequent <laughs> it's hard to keep your head around what's going on and we make three shows a week and we're yeah. struggling with that yes yes you know it's funny you know five years ago I'd sit down with a customer and they'd be like oh you're not innovating fast enough you're not you don't get the cloud you're and, back yeah and now my conversation is like oh there's too much I can't <laughs> right. keep up what are you doing so <laughs> they're never happy <laughs> but well, that's, you've, done, you've been doing customer meetings all day today I think yes uh, and yesterday yes so it's been great and they were all Focused on Azure, like doing the thing? Yeah, Azure, a lot of actually Office 365, security, kind of across the board. Is this a town, I mean, here we are in Tel Aviv, mm -hmm. and I feel like we spend an awful lot of our time just basically still explaining the cloud. Is this a town where you didn't have to explain very much, like they're already going? You know, uh, it's a mix, but I would say on average for the other cities we've been in, a much more technically savvy group. Interesting. Uh, we have a lot of startups, a lot of ISVs in Tel Aviv. Yeah, it's a busy place. Um, so a lot, of, lot, lot more born in the cloud meetings I've had today, and in terms of, yeah, yeah, like I get the cloud, I get the cloud, I want to use more of it. Yeah, yeah I mean, when go I, here. I see yeah. that, you know, in the keynote, which was great, by the way, the keynote this morning, I see that you're still spending a lot of time just telling people the benefits of the cloud and the benefits of Azure. Yeah. Do you still find that, you know, you, you have to do that more? Even now, when you know it's been so mature, and you're you, still explaining the benefits. To you people. really do because I think people use the cloud in so many ways, right? And there's private cloud and public cloud, and there's been cloud washing in general. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, that term's so, been bandied about. And so just breaking it down and explaining, yeah. okay, what does cloud exactly mean, and right. how does this work? And even things like what is Azure? Because gosh, we have Azure Stack yeah. coming, and that's something I put on premises. So like, how's that Azure? Yeah. Right. Uh, right? Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Just helping break it down a little bit and explain what, because as much as anything, the cloud is also, a, it's, a, it's a model, it's a way. It's an architecture. Yeah, as yeah. much mm. as it is, you know, a public cloud place you go mm. to. So it's, it's actually reasonably nuanced when you start to dig into it. And so I do appreciate the idea of having Azure Stack on-prem mm -hmm. as a bridge to choosing to go to cloud when you care to go, that you yep. brought, you're bringing the architecture down yep. to my data center. Yep. 
so that I have a choice where I want to do it, operate it. So right. you, you brought the let the cat out of the bag. So can we formally define Azure Stack? Is it a box? Is it a set of boxes? Is it not a box at all? What is it? <laughs> is it an elephant? Is it a banana? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be, it'll be uh, let's define it as it'll be, as you said, a great on-premises bridge for the, for, you know, you're not ready to go all the way, mm -hmm. but you want to get ready. Uh, and it's more about, you know, the when versus the if and getting it there. Is it software only that you run on your Microsoft servers or is it a, a box, like I said, is it a hardware uh, appliance? Or? It, at this point, it's, it's not the hardware, it's not the integrated yeah. solution. It's, yeah, the, yeah. Is the tech, it's the just the tech. That's great. Yeah, That's the great. other thing we've been talking about over on the run as side is that, because it impacts the operations guys, most of all, mm -hmm. to yeah. set up Azure Stack and you know, how do I set up my machines? What do my yep. VMs look like? You know, and this is all in flux. Like, it feels like this has really got some weight around it in 2016. Absolutely. You know. I mean, the pent-up demand for Azure Stack is impressive, which means we've really found a you know a need our customers have. So I mean, we need to we need to go and deliver this and make it great. But yeah, and that must have come out of these conversations that we've had certainly had with customers that are like, you know, hey, stop preaching Azure to me. I mm. love it. I wish I could go, but I can't move my data there. Data's got to stay in house. <laughs> End of story. And you're just kind of like, uh, uh, but, yeah, but but. <laughs> Right, so this yeah. so, sort of solves those problems. Absolutely, and it starts it starts the journey for people. Yeah. And, and and the reality is, when you when you really dig in, uh, the people the things that hold people back from moving to the public cloud as much oftentimes is perception than reality. Sure, uh, I agree. But it's very real, right? And you and people have to go on their journey through that and really understand it and understand their own internal policies as well as the regulations. Yep. But yeah. giving them Azure Stack will basically start that flywheel and get their architecture in the right place, yeah. and then give them a bridge as they work through all of the other, you know, perceived and sometimes real barriers to and using public cloud. And it means the IT cloud. department can, can continue to get a paycheck for another few years, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, I, I, we should talk about that one, because that, you know, for many, many years, uh, you're doing Exchange Online specifically. Yes. I yeah. talk about Exchange Online, and then afterwards, I get assaulted by a bunch of you know, Exchange yeah, yeah, yeah. admins, who are like, you're putting me out of a job, and, right. um, and I didn't know. And so I, you know, after a couple years, I was like, I want to find out, am I putting Exchange admins out of a job? Let's go find out. So we did the research. Right. And I went back and talked to customers who've been on Office 365 Exchange specifically for two or more years mm. and said, what happened to your admins? Where'd they go? Yeah. And uh, the, the good news is they're still around, yep. yeah. but they're doing different things. Yeah. Uh, and what, it was actually really heartening. Uh, there were some beautiful quotes like, this is the best thing that ever happened to my career. I'm adding wow. business value versus patching servers. Yeah. Or I'm no longer on call. I have better work-life balance, yeah. but I'm actually being able to work with my business partner. So the, the role's definitely shifted. Yeah, and I, I, you get it. I'm wearing the run ass hard a lot today. Hey, that's fine, man. Yeah. I'm learning a lot. Just like, <laughs> I didn't know what Azure Stack was. So. But just getting into, you know, suddenly when they didn't have to worry about spinning screwdrivers and racking and stacking mm. machines right. and keeping the servers healthy, yep. they started worrying more about search. They started worrying about m more about the v the library elements of are we organizing this information properly? Yep. Are we getting into disciplines like no more attachments? You link to SharePoint yep. documents, like mm. things that make a huge difference to how well messaging runs inside of an organization. Yep. And they had bandwidth for that now. Yeah. So many of them. Yeah. Exactly. So many of them yeah. now said, "I'm working on user adoption. Right. I, I'm working on security yeah. and doing higher level security that I never had time to get to. Yeah. So it's preventative work that you never yeah. had cycles for before." Right, because you're busy patching stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 100%.
Yeah, and and now we're seeing you know the whole the IT partners around Office 365 being that, that that's their specialty now in general. So yeah, it's been a, it's been fascinating to watch the evolution of IT and to the cloud. And but the amount of work you ne that is available and needed to be done is growing, oh, not massive. shrinking. It's right. massive. It's just more. Yes. More and more and more. And it, and this is I think a segue into this whole conversation around power apps because okay. the mm -hmm. way the media has been sort of grappling this, and I always you know it's very interesting when you know a subject well, uh -huh. like we're sort of on the inside of this, we're pretty aware of what's going on, to watch the media try and explain power apps yes. to mortal people. And, and one of the messages is saying is, Development isn't getting to a whole large block of applications out there. Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, they're building as fast as they can, but there's not enough of us. The right. demand only keeps growing. Yeah. Yes. And here is this new set of tooling yes. to try and speed app delivery. Yes. So if you have if you have a worldview that within businesses, within organizations, for internal employee apps, there's we should be able to move to the model of there's an app for that. Right? Right. Like we have in our consumer right. life, I should have the exact same, there's an app for that in my work life. Sure. Whether it be, you know, Microsoft, we have our annual giving campaign. I mm -hmm. want a little mini app that my team can compete with another team. Yeah. Uh, versus, and maybe I'm coming to, you know, it's Azure Tour and I want a little app that has the latest, you know, hardware products so I can show them off. Who knows? You want to go from idea to app very quickly. Because right. those are things that, you know, you get the idea for, you need them now. Exactly, but I'm like not going to ask my you know yeah. my Microsoft development team to build that for me. There's right. no chance. Uh, <laughs> and so, and they might be long-standing, they might be ephemeral, but that's the you know the sweet spot for power apps, which is hey, we can use you know Office-like you know simplicity in building an app, like any any, any power user effectively. You know, this isn't for the, the super common user, but a power user can go in and build this app. It's something that I want for this next month for the, the give campaign we have. And I can share it out with my team and then everyone can benefit from it. And then we, sh we spin it down in, in the end of the month and it's fine. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Stackify. Our dev-centric friends at Stackify have been awarded PC Magazine's Editor's Choice for Application Performance Management, stating the depth of application information provided by Stackify totally outshined the other products in this category. Because Stackify so successfully integrates errors, logs, and metrics into a core APM Plus tool, it's a must-have for .NET developers, which is why PC Magazine's Paul Farrell calls it one of the best infrastructure management services of 2015. Try Stackify now for free, and they'll ship you their coveted Developers Against Humanity card game. Just activate your account. Use the link bit.ly slash netrocks to build better apps faster and get your free game. Let us back up a little bit and, uh, for our developer listeners so that they can figure out what it is. Um, it sounds like a, a mobile app development framework that doesn't require a whole lot of coding. Yeah, is that so, a good way to yeah, describe so it? Yeah, so let me, let me step back from um, Power Apps specifically. So it's, it's two pieces, really. One is this new way for a power user to be able to build a mobile app pretty quickly, and including being able to do workflow against it too. So mm. it, it brings some pretty powerful things into a pretty a simple development framework for someone. Okay. Um, and the UI looks very office-y, just kind of an experience. Right. But the other part of Power Apps is Azure, Azure App Service, which is part of it as well. And that's for the pro devs. And they're like, hey, I want to build, I want to expose this data set, or I want to build this API that then the, peop the, the common user who's using the kind of office-like tool can tap into yeah. and extend from there. So there's a role across the board. There's the power user who wants to build this simple app. 
There's Azure App Service for the pro dev who wants to go build the real web and mobile apps and deploy them directly, and then also expose APIs they built up to these simple apps. So the power apps will be able to grab onto these. Exactly. So that reminds me of like, that's like a new interpretation of the, the mashup. A little right? bit. I take an a, I've got an API from this app yep. service, I've got an API from this app service, I combine them, I get a whole new thing. Yep, right? I can put them together and create yeah, a... Back in the old days, app. it was like a mapping product and a data set like Census or something, and all of a sudden, right. you know, you're giving great visualizations of that kind of data. And guys, I hate to roll you back again, but um, are these mobile apps that are native apps for platforms, for all the platforms? What exactly, where does it go? Yes, an, it builds a native app for iOS, Android, and Windows. Oh, great, um, nice. And you can also, with Azure App Service, because you can do web or mobile, and, and nat native apps yeah. on web and mobile on okay. that front, so on, on both fronts. So the, the simple to use experience, does the native mobile app, and then the Azure App Service, you can build any kind of app, right. frankly. So, so what, yeah, what I'm hearing here is that this is a, another mobile dev platform. However, the big difference is that a power user can build an app, not a developer. You don't have to know JavaScript, right? None of that. You don't nope. have to know C Sharp. You don't have yeah. to know... Java it's, or it, I, it's most akin to doing a formula in Excel. Like if you could write a formula in Excel, right. it's about the level of sophistication yeah. of this developing tool. You have to make a flow, as you said, like yeah. a workflow. Right, yeah. right. But it's very visual, and it. Yeah. The nice thing is, we've done the hard work to say, like, I pointed at maybe a SharePoint list. You know, there's so mm. many SharePoint lists that I haven't mobilized. Mm. Yep. Um, so I can point at the SharePoint list, and actually, Power Apps looks at that list and says, oh, there's images in it, or mm. there's text, or there's de there's tables, and automatically chooses which is the right template to lay my app out in, and I can adjust it, of course, but it does that initial layout for me as wow. a user. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So when, I'm, when I package up these apps, am I still sending them to the App Store and no, things? No, that's the best part of it. You're hmm. not having to distribute them through the App Store, because that's where the friction comes in. Yeah, sure. so no how would I share it through my fellow employees? Right. So no, I just distribute it directly. I, just, I literally send them an email, and they click on the link, and they're able to grab the, uh, the app that I've shared, again, within, within the organization. So none of the App Store friction at all. Within the organization? Organization. Oh, okay, yes. so they're all internal employee apps. They're all apps. internal employee apps, yes. okay. not public yes. apps. Yeah, yeah but, so but, not customer-facing, employee-facing. Yeah, but I, I, it's like some of the customers that have been using it, but example of build great. like a sales app. Like they're going to an event like this, they're going to meet lots of customers. So they have a little sales app they built for them. But it is they use it to engage with customers. Right. But it's an it's a business. I app. totally get it, and we definitely needed that. Got it. Definitely yeah. needed something in that space. Right. When I think in the office context, I think and I think about. Devish tools. Yep. I think three things: access, mm -hmm. SharePoint, mm -hmm. InfoPath. Yep. Uh, and InfoPath is gone. It's on extended life support. Yes. <laughs> well, but there was some interesting technology there, like for Absolutely. the for yeah. the enterprise. This was a form building tool with some real yep. intelligence. Yep. It may not have you know gotten huge adoption or anything, but for the people who used it, they really really used it. People are still using it, man. Yeah. They're dependent on that. Yeah. Thing. Yes. So I mean, I, I would hope that some of that tech surfaces here. Yes. Because it's a it's a necessary internal app technology. It is, and it's but it's a modern modern approach to it, right? right. Which is a mobile app versus you know the the forms. Of and, and obviously days. phones are a focus. Tablets too, I presume. Yes, it can run on a tablet. So as well. iPads, yep. you know, Android tablets, as well as, well, as soon as you're running Surface, you're running a computer. So it's not, a, it's yeah, tablet yeah. shaped. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It has that form factor. But yeah, in terms of thinking about, particularly the workflow capabilities um, yeah. that we've had in some of the other products, yeah. br bringing that up and then surfacing mm. it in a simple mm. way. And you know, that's an area where people are so hungry for a good solution. Well, so. especially if I've already poured work into 
you know, SharePoint lists and things yes. like that. I don't want to recreate any of that stuff. Nope. I want to reuse it. Yeah, I do think one of the first places we're going to see strong adoption with Power Apps is those SharePoint lists and mobilizing yeah. them yeah. and tapping into them because there's so many out sure. there yeah. sure. and um, actually making them much more usable. So I think there's going to be some very low-hanging fruit there for people. Are there other uh, backends that we can code, for lack of a better word, design our apps and Power Apps against? Yeah, so out of the box, there's a bunch of, you know, any, basically, the, the SaaS app with, with a REST API, yep. essentially, wow. as, a, as a starter. Great. And then, um, and then there's the tools, again, that you can, any line of business system you have, if the developer can build an API into it, then it can expose sure. it up to be tapped into. Nice. Yeah. Um, and the nice thing about this, too, from an IT control perspective, is it's not pulling the data out, it's not creating a new master file of it, it's just, and yeah. so if I don't have access to it as a user, I don't get to tap into it. Right. So IT can say that is or isn't okay. So they don't have to worry about the security. Yeah, I was going to say you're not inventing new security requirements. For Easy, me. right? We don't want to mess with that because that's a total barrier. But under the hood, you're using App Fabric, mm -hmm. which means if this app gets really hot internally, like we had this right. happen with Access Apps back yeah, in the right, day, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. Somebody whips together this little thing, and it helps so many people. It goes viral inside of the organization. Right. Yep. And there's a point where. It doesn't scale. Mm -hmm. Like there's sort of a battle too, and and you, and you start asking for more difficult features and things mm -hmm. like that. To be able to have Dev step in and yes. contribute services to it without having to throw it away, yes, sort of start over. Yeah, and that's what you know. It makes it complicated, but it's what's I think most valuable about Power Apps. It is from the the simple tool to the Azure App Service capability, sure. yeah. so that you can have that whole range. Because if you do just one part or the other, it doesn't quite get you what you need. Yeah. Um, so this way, if they grow up and they need to be a, a, a you know a big app, right. they can do that. <laughs> and at the same time, if I've got an organization that leans heavily on app service internally already, the Power App de dev or the Power App creator can tap the services we put together. Yes. What you've exposed, they can already yeah. tap into. So they're already there. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, you know, I always fear this technology, and I <laughs> think I'm not alone, but it ends up being an orphan, right? It ends up being mm. a sort of isolated world. I want to make sure it lives in the rest of the ecosystem. Sure. And, and one of the other problems that we face uh, it, with high-level tools is that we don't have enough control, right? Because one of the reasons we are developers because we're control freaks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we... For, you hold your hand up. Awareness yes, is the first step. Am, my name, <laughs> my is, name is Richard. Yeah, <laughs> I am a control freak. Um, so how much control do we have over what it looks like and, you know, how it behaves? And, you know, Power Apps. From the, the pro dev experience or yeah, from the... Well, no, even from the power user, you Got know. There, um, you know, think of it as... Similar to what's the metaphor of PowerPoint. I have templates that yeah. I can pre-configure. Mm. I go and I can change layouts. And it's, it, it, you know, if you look at it, it actually kind of feels like PowerPoint really? uh, in terms of adjusting the layouts and look and feel and custom templates and blues and greens and that kind of thing. Well, that's so, quite a bit. That's it quite is. a bit I mean, of it's, UI It's certainly control. plenty for the power user yeah. um, in terms of what they want to get done. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, it's going to meet most of your needs in that area. Yeah. And it's just starting, right? We'll continue to see what people want and listen sure. and iterate quickly on it. Standard control behaviors. What is? What are some of the your favorite integrations that you like to talk about when you talk about power? In terms apps? of the services to tap into. Yeah. Well, I love SharePoint, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that piece of Media it. services. Is that uh, on your list? Can you tap? That is. It? Yes, that is on that front. I mean, we're just getting started on some of the uh, integration pieces of it as yeah. we go out into private preview, and some of it's working with our because we're just so we just announced our private preview, um, yeah. so we're bringing more customers into. So we're literally going to look at what they request yeah. and how to prioritize, and so and, and doing it pretty dynamically, actually. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, 
This is just being released. So just this week. Let's well, yeah. and private preview. Private so preview. Yeah, I saw If you go to the website, it just says sign up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's all you get. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Ask us nicely, and we'll maybe you know <laughs> right. see if we can make it work for you. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, but a lot of potential. A lot of potential. Yeah. And, and well, and, it, and addressing a problem we've seen before, and we've played with other technology in this context too, right? Mm. The uh, well, Popfly, but that's really the mashup tool from a long time yeah. ago. But Light Switch is the other one that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of in that mix, um, and so there's almost a little bit of a tweener in that front versus yeah. the you know it's it was somewhere between ProDev and and uh, the the more simple kind of rad approach. Yeah, mm -hmm. so in the in the zone though. Yeah, it's just a similar feel. Mm -hmm. Was this Project Sienna? It was, yes. Yeah, okay. So this yes. was the code oh, name. Okay. Yeah, we, we heard about this for a while. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But it, I think it also went through a few morphs along the way, too. It has. It's, it's, it's just uh, tried to find its soul. Yeah. Because um, it's one of those things that the, tech, the core technology has so much potential, and you could imagine using it in a lot of different ways, frankly. Sure. And and also, so, but also getting lost along the way, too. Like, it, you know, it had that risk, I think, at some point. Yeah, uh, it's very challenging it's, to get all of those things right. Yes, yes. You know, and actually, uh, Gen Genesis out of the same team that did Gig Jam, if you're familiar mm, with Gig yep. Jam. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can see some of the soul of it is similar in that way. Awesome. Oh, we're hearing the music in the background. I guess the party is starting in there. That's right. Well, you know what time it is out here. Uh, it must be that happy time again. You're right. It's time to get my money back at joescloudprovider.com. You had money to close, but there's <laughs> I will never get cloud services from joescloudprovider.com again. What was I thinking? It's actually, that's not funny? Yeah, it's a little no? funny. I, I was going to say Joe's discount cloud provider. That, that would have been funnier. Well, yeah, but it's not about the money. It's about um, you know, what it can do. All right. Uh, now when I'm explaining my jokes, you know, they've tanked. Actually, it's <laughs> I don't time. I your pity laugh. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, do you know Swift, Objective-C, and Java? Can you use them in tools like Xcode and Android Studio? If so, awesome. For everyone else, there's NativeScript, a cross-platform framework for building native iOS and Android apps using skills you already have. JavaScript or TypeScript, CSS, and a XAML-like XML markup. Start building your dream native mobile apps today. Use NativeScript CLI for free, or use NativeScript in Visual Studio with a Telerik platform subscription, which enables you to build iOS apps without the glowing Apple. Get started for free at Telerik.com slash NativeScript. All right, buddy, who's our winner? Today's winner is Kristen Vasile. Congratulations, Christian. Yeah. Golf clap for you, sir. Nice. You just won a uh, Telerik DevCraft collection. A big pile of awesome from them. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we just did this, we yes. give away a last week. We, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, we also like to ask our guest, Julia, if you had $5,000 today to spend on technology, what would you buy? Well, first, I'm going to get the Surface Book right here that I've been, <laughs> You're not alone. I've been eyeballing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a quick three grand if you get it fully loaded. Yeah, absolutely. You get yeah. the full thing. Yeah. Yeah. I only got the 512 gig storage because 
the terabyte one wasn't available the, on day one. Oh, you needed to wait uh, a few more weeks. Somehow I'll get by. It's <laughs> yeah. now. But they're saying delivery in like April. It, they sold everything in sight. Yes, yes, I know. They're, they're out pretty far in the supply chain, uh, yeah, which no is great. Kidding. We'll take it. There, yeah. there are worse problems in this world. Yes. Still got a couple grand to go, though. Oh, what am I going to do next? You know, I don't actually, I shouldn't miss, but I don't have an Xbox One yet. I, I, I know, I know. <laughs> Isn't that, I shouldn't, I'm embarrassed to admit that, but that would be next. <laughs> well, especially with Win 10 on it. Like, it's really interesting yeah. to see where all that's going. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Brew, who won the $5,000 package yes. last week, built a sort of smart home kit. A couple of Surface 4s, some nice. smart things, um, the Amazon uh, Echo device, because uh -huh. they all integrate. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just this whole idea of being able to have all that communication going on. And it's, nice. it's very interesting to think about how that automation works together now. No, that's super cool. I would have used it to buy my uh, Nokia 950 that I just bought. Did you already got one. <laughs> Do you have it here? I didn't know. It's in back oh. in Seattle. Oh. <laughs> it takes time to move to a new phone. It does, a little bit. I needed more. I had like 10 minutes before I got on the plane here, so. Nice. So you bought that in as much time after the announcement as Richard used to. I did. Uh, yeah. I, I think I was like the first person in the store. You pulled the trigger immediately. <laughs> right. I need it now. I want it now. now. Right now. That's a pretty cool device. That's it got is. Windows 10 with Continuum on it. Right. Right? Nice. With Continuum. Continuum. <laughs> All right. That's the thing that allows you to plug it in a keyboard and monitor well, and it. You know, it's a little PC. Related to that and to the book, like the one thing about this interesting about this book is the, the double video card thing, hmm. right? So there's yeah. an Intel chipset in the screen, and then there's an NVIDIA chipset in the keyboard. So when you click the two together, yeah. you have more video horsepower. Hmm. And when, it, when, it, when I think about that in the context of the phone and all these, these devices, it's yeah. like, is this the new way that we'd have a core compute device with sort of the minimum needed to be useful? Yeah. And right. then when you needed more horsepower, you sort of plugged it in. It's like, give me more CPU, give me more Got GPU, yep. bigger display, mm -hmm. do some stuff, and then back it back out again. Yes, yeah, so it gives you that, and that kind of flexibility mm -hmm. to right size it's based on what you're doing. It's really yeah. an interesting way to think that about modern hardware. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, All right. but how many USB ports does it have? Two, <laughs> which is better than none. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't want to walk away from the deployment side of the story yeah. on Power Apps just yet, because okay. obviously we're doing some kind of side deploy. When I think about an iPhone, yeah. I mean, aren't they fairly locked down? How do you get the app in the phone with this link? Magic. Okay. Yeah, I like that answer. Like Is that the right answer? IJW technology, right? It just works. <laughs> it just works. It just yeah. works. <laughs> but I think that's an I mean, part, part of the equation, obviously, within the organization yes, so forth. Within the organization's, yeah. you know, kind of a deployment there. So that's why we're not going to have to go through the, the store itself. Yeah. I have no idea what the security landscape is for iOS devices in a Microsoft shop. Do you? I mean, have you but talked about that on On Run As, we certainly have. Uh, because there are... I mean, third-party tools and things. IBM makes a very successful product for, for doing this sort of mobile device management. And Microsoft's working on a bunch of tooling in that space as well, because it's not easy to do. Yeah. You're not domain joining an iPhone. Like, yeah. Just not happening. So right. yeah. we have to approach the security a little differently. Yeah. We actually just announced uh, two weeks ago, Intune, our Microsoft's kind of cloud-based mobile device management, mobile app management, yeah. that now you can actually get mobile app management for the, all of the Office apps without, doing, uh, without enrolling the device at all. Right. Wow. And so it's a pretty cool step because a lot of people, you know, employees aren't always excited about enrolling their device or they have concerns around that or just it slows down the process. Right. Um, so now you can get that managed office experience uh, without any enrollment too. So wow. there's been a lot of enthusiasm about that. Yeah, and I sort of go back and forth, again, wearing the IT hat yep. on the, okay, it's your device and we're going to install some corporate stuff on it yeah. versus, you know, we get into these debates and at some point it's like, you know what's cheap? 
just buy another phone. Yeah. Hey, how about this? You, you like your phone? That's great. Here's yeah. the company phone. Yeah. We'll manage this phone. Carry two. Yeah. Because mixing them is really hard from a, and it, not, not so much from a technical perspective as a sort of social, mm. political perspective inside of the organization. Fair like, enough. I've, I've dealt, I've literally done some work in an organization where the employees were saying, IT is spying on us through our phones. Yes. You know, mm. and, it, and at the CTO level, the conversation is, we have an obligation to our shareholders to know what data is on the phones that's related to the company. Like, Absolutely. I can't not do that. Yep. If you want to call that spying, like, what are you going to do? Right. So yeah. I think it's a very tough line to draw. And we I think you're right. It's more of a, a social thing. Than a, it's not a technology thing. We have the technology yeah. to make it easy and simple. I mean, well, I think some of the problem, too, is that it's it feels a, a, like... Uh, on the phone, if you have a containered experience, it, it feels clunky and different. Yeah. And so I feel like, oh, in there I'm being spied on. Versus if it's just at the app level, like if I'm logged in, as an example, with my organizational credentials in my email, yep. then that's managed and controlled. Yep. Mm -hmm. and but if be. I switch over and I'm using my you know, Outlook.com, I'm not. And I have that freedom, but it's not a different, it doesn't feel like I'm going to a different place and doing right. different things. So it's, it just, it's, a, it's getting easier because the experience is getting a lot smoother for the user. And certainly my experience working with Exchange stuff is, it's very easy for me to pull that stuff back out of the phone if somebody's leaving the company or yep. we lose control of the phone or anything like that. Yep. Like, and you don't have to be domain joined anymore. Like right. that, that technology is actually there. Yep. It's just, it, you've got to present it in a way that makes people comfortable. Well, yeah. I have a solution. Just buy everybody in the company a Windows phone. Yep. There you buy go. Another device. You've got it. There you go. You've solved your problem. The answer is more devices. A bunch of 950s can solve everybody's problem. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't even had a chance to fall in love with it yet. You've got it. I know, it, but, but I have it. That's the important part. It's waiting for you. <laughs> We're laughing, but that's a real solution. That yeah. is absolutely is. a no, real and solution. It, and, it is. And in this, the particular discussion I had with this company, with all this debate, it's like, yeah. you know, one of the ways you make this go away is just buy some phones. Yeah. It's true. Right? And you got, you know, with the you know, Windows 10 phone you have, Enterprise uh, Data Protection. Yep. And built right in. That's yeah. slick. Yeah, that's no. slick. And, and reliable. Like, that, that yeah. stuff actually works. I think it's an important part when we think about non-technical people yep. being building these apps and putting them on devices in our organization. Yep. What data are we pushing to those phones? Mm -hmm. How, what controls do mm -hmm. we have over it? Mm -hmm. How can we be sure the, the data doesn't leave the device or leaves the yep. app? Yep, yep. You're managing all of that pieces of yeah. it. Yeah, all mm -hmm. those things are necessary. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, you install the app by just a link. How do you remove the app? In term, from an IT perspective? Yeah. You can, uh, we can block access to the data source, right, right. from mm -hmm. that, at that level and that piece of it. You know, I don't actually know if there's a way to, like, push down and pull, rip the app off yeah. the phone, to be honest. But if you have control of, I can remove identity, uh, yeah. you know, for that's, the... Yeah, we know the, we can do that. And you can't get the data. Um, that helps. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I yeah. should find could, out. That's certainly, a good question. <laughs> you can certainly push updates, I'm sure. That well, just the next available. link, right? Yeah. The, right. the new link writes yeah. over the old one and, yeah. and off that's you go. True. That's true. So the update's probably So you uh, just make a broken version and update it. <laughs> what? Like you haven't There's done always that. There's a way. That's a dark way to think, my friend. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, I'm I mean, not the only one. Nice. No, of course. The other aspect of this that we haven't talked about at all, but I think is super interesting, is the integration with the third party. Mm. Like, just the, the one that pops out to me every time is Salesforce, yep. just because mm -hmm. so many people use it. But, yep. uh, you know, where do you, when you think in terms of the, the sort of third-party integration yeah. stuff, are there particular stacks you look at? 
certainly sales. I mean, all of the big SaaS apps, right? Yeah. So Salesforce is on the Workday, other things that people are going to want to tap into. Mm -hmm. And again, I mean, if they have a REST API, it's it, it's reasonable and yep. accessible on that front. And so, there are so many services that have REST APIs. The list just keeps going. It's yeah, it's helped a bunch in terms oh, yeah. of making things a lot more accessible yeah. in this way. But again, it's like, don't reinvent the wheel. Don't copy the data. Don't right. have no, to you no, know, right. use it where it's from. And Yes. Life's a little easier yes. again. And stay out of all the security privacy headaches that, yep. the, that are going to bog all that down, right? Yeah, the fewer copies of data we need to make, the better off we are. Yes. Well, this sounds great. Uh, I can't wait. So what is your time frame for this preview beta? So thing. private preview now, and then 2016, we'll move into uh, the public and then GA. Yep. Public preview and then GA. Some, sometime in 2016. Sometime in 2016. That's all I'm giving you right now. Okay. 2016. Not even a quarter. Not even a quarter. <laughs> Sorry, man. There are four to choose from. <laughs> well, like, I mean, got to think there's a ways to go, too, right? Yeah. Like you're, yeah. you're now putting this into other people's hands and you'll find out what happens. Yes. Like that's, yes. that's sort of a side effect. We've had a hand, uh, you know, small handful of customers we've been working really closely with to get to this point, but now we're going to move into the kind of hundreds yeah. and then see how it goes from there. Just a normal sort of iteration, right? Yeah. Very much. A couple of very like SDR level folks, mm -hmm. and now it's the next wave. And yep. each time some feedback and some changes, and yeah. we'll see what it looks like All after right. that. So here's a great question. Let's say I'm a developer and I want to mess around with this stuff, but I don't have. I'm not sanctioned by my company yet. Can I take this stuff home and within my home server, or maybe I've got a domain controller at home or whatever? Mm -hmm. Can I write apps at home and just do this as the developer, get familiar with it, and then say? You know, hey, boss, check in the, this out. In the preview, you mean? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, again, and, you know, if you can go, it's just Azure App Service if you're doing more of that kind of work. So, yeah, you yeah, can go yeah. spin up your own instance of that if you want. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, in the preview, it doesn't have to sit necessarily sit on your, your corporate. That's great. And that's a great way to try it out. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are going to do that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, so is available through my MSDN account then? Uh, not yet. Not yet. No, right. not right. yet. No. We're still early days. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah. still we're yeah. still private preview. We'll get there. We'll get okay. there. But yeah, not yet. Sure. Not but yet. When I think about this listener, right, for yeah. our, for our show, they've got MSDN accounts. Yep. They're yep. using the, they're using that credit, that Azure credit, to do testing yeah. and experimenting with technology stuff. So. What does that affect? I mean, using Azure App Service today, that's, yeah. that work that's will there. that'll start accruing, right? So building the APIs right now and building with Azure App Service. Go now, do it. Absolutely. Uh, and then the, the rest of the Power Apps capability coming coming down the path. Great. That's cool. Yeah. Well, Julia White, it's been great. Thanks for being here with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. All Absolutely. Right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band.